It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everyone. We got a great one for you today here on this Wednesday, February 24th, as we just have a general assortment show, really. I mean, you know, the last like two months, we've really just been doing preview and recap shows. Uh, but, you know, like I said, I'm trying to do shows more regularly as I try to figure out my uh, schedule and uh, other boring shit like that that nobody needs to know about. So, uh, yeah, we're here doing a show and, you know, we got some fun talkers today, some some news, some uh, some main card showdown news. Obviously, we have the, uh, the updated rankings we'll talk about and then, you know, just some uh, general UFC talkers uh, and uh, some news. So it uh, should be a fun one. Uh, as always, uh, we'll, we'll start with uh, the housekeeping, and uh, the housekeeping pertains here to the uh, North Star Sports uh, rankings, which I did not do the night of uh, Blades versus Lewis. I normally do. I normally do, so it's, it's always there for the preview shows, but I, I didn't do it this time. And uh, I'd like to go over them. I'd like to go over them because there were a lot of changes in the heavyweight division. Uh, obviously, I think we had three heavyweight fights that had, that at least had one ranked fighter, and uh, some small changes in, in the women's bantamweight division uh, because of the co-main event, the bullshit co-main event, I might add. Uh, definitely a win for Ketlin Vieira, but you know what I mean. Hey, as as someone who does these rankings for fun, they are not affiliated with the UFC, so you know they're not official, but. Um, you know, we got to respect uh, results. We got to respect them. So I disagree with it, but, you know, if, if they say that Yana Kunitskaya won, then, you know, the, the rankings will reflect that. So we'll start here in the heavyweight division. Uh, obviously, Derek Lewis uh, won that fight over Curtis Blades uh, by second round TKO. So he was sitting at five. And of course, you can find these rankings at NorthStarsports.media. Uh, under the uh, the blog section, or really anywhere. I mean, we have links everywhere. I mean, you can't miss it. Can't miss it. So we move him up three spots from five to two. Uh, Curtis Blades moves from two to three. Rosenstroik moves from three to four, and Volkov from four to five. So that's a pretty big leap there for Derek Lewis. Obviously puts him in... in um, well, I wouldn't say prime, but it puts him in a, a much better spot. A much better spot. And obviously Rosenstroik... Uh, this week has his fight with Cyril Gaon, so you know that could get a little interesting. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if Rosenstroik, if he beats Cyril Gaon, if I'd put him ahead of Lewis. But you know, point being, there would be another heavyweight moving up, closing in on him in in the ranking. So there's still obviously other contenders. Uh, the reason I wouldn't say it's it's a prime spot is obviously, you know, we have to get through Miocic and Ngannou, and the thing that people aren't talking about with that is that if Ngannou wins, we're going to have a trilogy with Ngannou and Miocic, and then obviously John Jones is looming over the heavyweight division, so, you know, it still could be a, a good while before Lewis gets a another title shot, which I think is why he's talking about 
Uh, well, actually, I don't think it's why, because I think he would just do this anyway. But you know, it's, it's helpful that he's talking about fighting Alistair Overeem and and staying uh, active and and things like that. Because the worst thing for any division is, you know, fighters up high stagnating, uh, i.e., the, the welterweight division, which we'll get to later. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't punish Blades too much. I mean, he's really done a lot of work, so you only you only put him down a spot. And then, you know, like I said, Rosenstrike, yeah, he moves down a spot, but, you know, he could move up. Um, six, seven, and eight all stay the same. That's Overeem, Gon, and Harris. Uh, at number nine, we have Chris Dawkins, who beat Alexi Olinick, who was uh, previously ranked at number nine. And, you know, that's kind of the thing with our, our rankings, and I think it's, a, it's a, a fair and reasonable way to do it. We don't... If you lose a fight, we don't really punish you that much. We might move you down a spot or two, or sometimes even three, rarely three. Normally, we just move you down a spot, move you down two spots. So if somebody loses, we don't really dock them too much in, in the, the, the rankings. But if you beat somebody, uh, you take their rankings, generally. I think there's only one time we've, we haven't done that. But think about how many times someone lower in the rankings has won. Uh, you know, in, in, in the last 10 months or however long we've been doing these rankings. I mean, wh- whoever you beat, if you beat the guy, you are the guy. So if, if you're Chris Dawkins and you're not ranked and you beat the number nine heavyweight, how can I say you're not the number nine heavyweight in the division? You beat the guy. So you are the guy uh, in, in my mind with, again, with very few rare exceptions. So, yeah, I mean, he's 3-0 and in the UFC. Uh, his first two fights were against guys who were not even close to sniffing the the top 15 and you, you beat Olenek yeah it might be a fast rise but uh I, and I don't know how the the UFC rankings will reflect Chris Dawkins um I suppose I could could maybe take a peek at that because maybe they've done it by now who knows they're a little slow and uh antiquated in 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 many ways um but I guess I guess I am a little curious to see where they would have put uh Chris Dawkins um, okay, they put him at number 10. They put him at number 10. They probably didn't have Olenek um, at at 9, so I, I guess they probably had Olenek at 10. Actually, Olenek's not even on those rankings, so that doesn't even make any fucking sense. Um, yeah, weird. So either they removed him, either he was number 10, and they just dropped him fucking six spots off of the rankings, or they never had him ranked to begin with, and somehow they just decide Chris Dawkins is 10. So that's the, that's the type of stupid bullshit that you'll see with UFC rankings. So, you know, this is why you got to check out North Star Sports rankings because they are 100% correct. And I'll fight anybody who says uh, that they're not. I will ankle pick anybody who says that my rankings are not correct. Um, although I am open to, subje- to uh, suggestions because I have been uh, wrong before. But, you know, I think I have them correct right now and I will... I will ankle pick somebody. I will Ezekiel choke somebody if they say my rankings are off in the, the slightest. Um, so then we dropped Olinik, Dos Santos, Sant- uh, Sakai, uh, Ab- Abdurakimov, and Chibura all one spot. Um, so they're sitting at 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. And then Tom Aspinall got the win over Arlovsky. He's 3-0. He likes to finish fights. So we put him at 15, which means uh, two new fighters debut in the heavyweight division so two have to come out so num- number 14 and number 15 uh, Blagoy Ivanov and Greg Hardy they are now unranked uh, according to North Star Sports which I think is fair because Greg Hardy hasn't really done anything other than beat up cans 
and uh, Blagoy Ivanov. I, I was looking at his record. Yeah, he, he doesn't deserve to be in the in in the rankings after um, after Saturday. And then uh, small small change here in the women's bantamweight division. We had uh, number seven Ketlin Vieira taking on number eight Yana Kunitskaya. Kunitskaya won. Vieira lost. We flipped our rankings, so Kunitskaya is now seven. Vieira is now eight. Um, even though that shouldn't be the case because Vieira won that fight very clearly, 29-28. But, um, yeah, so, you know, we, we respect results. We respect them. All righty, that's all I had for, for the housekeeping there with uh, the, the rankings. Uh, now we just have some uh, assorted UFC talkers. And one of the, one of the more interesting things that I was seeing uh, discussed uh, early this week and and really last week but i think uh now that there's uh, been some time for the dust to settle i think people are talking about well what's next for kamaru usman and i talked about on the uh really i've been saying this for months and i said it on the preview show for 258 uh and and i said it on the on the post fight show certainly uh i don't want to see jorge masvidal fight kamaru usman i just don't want to see it and um you know, there's this article here from uh, Mark Ramondi and Jeff Wagenheim on uh, uh, the ESPN website that uh, came across my uh, Twitter feed. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, agreeing with me, which I I, th- I thought was interesting because a lot of people are uh, Jorge Masvidal uh, nut riders, and uh, yeah, I, I don't really know why this is even a talking point. I mean, Jorge Masvidal. He hasn't had a win since his last fight against Kamaru Usman. That I mean, that was literally his last fight. We just we just saw it seven seven months ago. Yeah, July. So we just saw it seven months ago. Why, why do why do I need to see it again? It clearly clearly is Colby Covington. Now Leon Edwards. The problem for Leon Edwards, and this was true when he was supposed to fight uh, Hamzat Chimaev. It's certainly true. Uh, well, actually, it's a little less true because this guy's higher in the rankings, but it's still true. Uh, you know, now that he's going to fight Jeff Neal, it's pretty fucking hard to get a title fight after beating Hamzat Chemaev or Jeff Neal, okay? I don't care what the UFC says to you. The UFC likes to lie to their fighters all the time, so, you know what I mean? I, I wouldn't... If they guarantee you a title shot because you beat Hamzat Chemaev, uh, I would not li- I would not believe that in the slightest. I'm not saying it couldn't happen. It certainly could happen, but I'm just saying I wouldn't take it to the fucking bank. But... Uh, okay, so you beat Jeff Neal, you extend your winning streak to, uh, I think, nine fights. Okay, well, who have you beat? You beat uh, Rafi Dos Nachos, that's cool, but um, okay, so you beat Jeff Neal. That's just a really, really hard sell. It could happen, but I, I, I don't know about that. So Colby Covington, at least he stayed active and, and you know, put on a performance uh, against uh, uh, Tyron Woodley. I mean, you look at what he did against Robbie Lawler. Like, he's clearly the, the second-best welterweight in the in the division. So I, I don't really – I don't know what the hang-up is there. Uh, even even Dana White has admitted it himself. He said that uh, their fight at UFC 245 is one of the best fights he's ever seen, one of the greatest fights he's ever seen. And I, I would have to agree. That was a very fun uh, matchup. Uh, it was 2-2 going into the fifth round. Uh, it, it probably – well, Burns did give him some trouble. He hurt him a little bit, but that probably was uh, Kamaru's toughest fight of his career. So we got to do it again. It would do—I'm not going to say it would do huge numbers. It's, it's obviously not Conor McGregor versus, you know, Khabib, but, you know, Covington can drum up 
some some interest and Kamaru you know really he's he's probably the the third best fighter in the UFC I mean that's where we have him in the pound for pound ranking so you know that's that's the fight to make you know a lot of people are talking about the difference well it was on six days notice so if Jorge Masvidal gets a full training camp well that's the difference that's why we need to see it again uh no no like it like I've said and people seem to forget after Masvidal or after Usman beat Covington it was it was December 15th of 2019 same day I graduated and not that far after I mean obviously the the discussion uh happens right after but you know who knows how serious the 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 talks were obviously they're going to let Kamaru heal and and you know stuff like this but we knew Masvidal was next so Masvidal was scheduled for UFC 251 originally, and Gilbert Burns, before he tested positive, was, was only scheduled for, for that spot for maybe like a week and a half, two weeks. So yes, it is impressive that Masvidal stepped up on six days notice, that's true, but that's not the whole story. Masvidal was training for Usman for months before then, months before then. And again, I'm not saying it wasn't hard, but people make it seem like it was... He was sitting there cold on the couch, hadn't trained at all, hadn't been near a gym in months, and just took that fight on short notice. No, he was training for Usman. He knew he was going to face Usman, and some shit happened, and then some more shit happened, and he was back on to face Usman. So it was tough, but it's not as tough as people are making it seem. You know, they're, they're being disingenuous. So Jorge Masvidal has had a full training camp for Kamaru Usman. So they're, I guess they are correct that it would be different because he would be scheduled to face Usman and there would be nobody taking a spot in between, but but it's like, that's not that big of a difference. And the fight wasn't even com- competitive at all. It really wasn't. I mean, after the first, after the first takedown that, that uh, Usman landed, like probably 90 seconds into the fight, you knew that Usman was going to win that fight. There was no chance. There was no chance for Masvidal. Wasn't competitive at all. Pure domination by Kamaru Usman. Now, people conflate domination with damage. I wouldn't say Usman inflicted a lot of damage on Masvidal, but it was domination. He didn't let Masvidal do anything. Neutralized his boxing, clinched him up, grappled him, couldn't do anything, couldn't move. I don't want to see that again. That was a rather boring fight, and it wasn't competitive. So you got to get a win. You got to get a win. You have to stay active. That's what Covington did. Could you imagine if Covington just didn't take the fight against Woodley, did nothing, and then, you know, fucking a year and a half later just asks for an immediate title fight? That's not That's not how that works. It, it, now, that's not how it should work. It might work for Jorge Masvidal, because who knows, because he's a star, he's a, he's a BMF, but I, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't think that's how that should work. That's... That's just I have no I have honestly have no interest unless he gets a win over somebody and shows something. Uh, I'm not interested at all. He should fight Wonderboy Thompson to be quite honest. I mean that's a fight that he's expressed interest in uh, in the past because that was his last win before the the resurrection or whatever, uh, or his last loss before the the resurrection. Um, do that, do that, and call it a number one contender's bout. You know you know what I mean? Even though it wouldn't be. But do that. Beat Leon Edwards. Beat beat anybody. But you can't just you can't just ask for an immediate title fight. So that's absolutely the, absolutely the incorrect answer. Uh, Masvidal will not beat Usman. I would guarantee it. If they ever fight in the future, uh, I don't think Masvidal will ever beat Usman. 
Covington could. Covington really could. Covington uh, gave him fucking 24 and a half minutes of hell. You know what I mean? And obviously, uh, it was pretty definitive, the ending. So there's no question that Kamaru is the number one guy. Uh, and then obviously, you know, what he did to, to Mosfidal and Burns since then. But, you know, there's, there's no question Covington's number two. So at some point, we got to see number one versus number two to sort this out again. But yeah, I, I can't believe that's a that's a talking point there. But you know the, the welterweight division is still interesting, so we'll we'll see what uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, we also had uh, some news coming from uh, one FC, or I guess just one. I guess that's what they're going with uh, these days. Uh, but Sage Northcutt is going to face uh, Shinya Aoki on April twenty eighth, and <laughs> Jesus Christ, I saw this and I my, I just. I don't know, that hurt my fucking head to see that fight get announced. Um, obviously, Northcut, fucking super prospect, got signed way too soon. Perfect. Him and Paige Van Zandt are perfect examples um, why you, you, don't just, you don't just bring in people who are hyped. You, you, you really do have to, some degree, to some degree, you really do have to go through the motions in MMA. Like, regionals are pretty fucking important, you know what I mean? You can't just skip them. You know what I mean? And obviously he had fucking fights at the regional scene, but you know he was at at 19 or 20 years old or when when however old he was signed. You know you're not ready for the UFC. It's almost like there's a reason why there's not a lot of 20 year olds in the UFC because most 20 year olds can't handle it. So you know what I mean? That that was an interesting uh, study, uh, interesting case in uh, in in UFC and MMA history. But uh, yeah, he has not fought. Uh, since May 2019, so we're coming up on two years. Now that's where he fought Cosmo Alexandre, uh, or Alexandre, Alexander, Alexandre. We'll call him Cosmo. I don't fucking, I don't speak Portuguese. I don't know how that's pronounced. But yeah, where he got brutally knocked out. He had eight facial fractures as a result. And apparently Cosmo's a, a pretty high-level kickboxer, so that was just a dick move to put a child. A child making his debut against you know a fucking world class kickboxer, and I I feel like this is a dick move as well. Shinya Aoki, I think he's a multiple time one champion. Uh, he's been a champion all over. That dude has like sixty five professional fight. Oh, okay, uh, fifty five. Uh, he has fifty five professional fights. He's thirty seven. He's thirteen years older. I mean, I don't know, man. Now I- Aoki is more of a submission guy. He's more of a grappling guy. So, you know. Uh, Northcott probably won't get knocked out. That's not exactly a concern uh, in this fight, but kind of a fucking dick move. Can you let the guy breathe? Now, I understand the discussion where it's like, well, this isn't, this isn't boxing, okay? This isn't boxing. You don't just get to have 15 fucking cans in a row. Or, or you know, in the case of Canelo, you, you can't just have 40 cans in a row. Uh, it's MMA. You have to, you know, the best fight the best, loosely speaking. But Jesus, can we let the kid, you know, get a rebound win? Can we put him, or at the at the bare, at the very least, can we put him up against somebody who's at his level? The, the Northcutt is, and whatever. I don't want to fucking be a dick, and you know, fair play to him. It'd be awesome if he won. To be honest, uh, Northcutt's a really good guy. It'd be awesome if he beat Shinya Aoki. That'd be fucking massive for his career. But like. As it stands right now, he is several, several rungs below Aoki. I mean, that dude is is a very well-respected, uh, you know, world champion. So, 
I don't I don't know what's going on there, but that's uh oh yeah, he's champ over in in Shuto, which is, you know, it's I guess top level, but lower level, mid-level and Dream and you know, Dream was pretty high level. I mean, Dream had some good fighters they had like uh, Overeem and uh, Gegard Musasi. I think that was yeah, Dream must have been a Japan company. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. That's kind of a dick move. I don't I don't know. Although it's kind of on par. One one is a little whack. One is a little whack. I'm not speaking from a ton of experience, but looking looking how at how they conduct business and uh, what's their president's name, Chatri or whatever. A lot of people have some interesting stuff to say about the uh, the president of um, of one. And I've tuned into their broadcasts uh, very sparingly, but I've always just. I've always just hated them, to be honest. I think their their broadcast quality is fucking terrible. I don't know who they have as their their play by play in color, but they're really bad. They're like they're real bad. Because uh, I, I I tuned in because it was super fucking early in the morning, but for some reason I was awake and I I got the alert on Bleacher Report. I think I tuned in for uh, Eddie Alvarez's debut against uh, Timothy uh, Nastyukin. I know I tuned in for Demetrius Johnson's debut. Uh, against somebody whose name I, I can't forget, but I would butcher anyways. And I feel like I've tuned in at other times. And yeah, just, I don't know, man. That's, you know, that's the thing with combat sports. I mean, a lot of the announcers uh, just fucking suck, man. They, they're just really not that good. They're really not that good. Like, I, I always say this, but John Anik is the best play-by-play for any sport ever. John Anik is beyond the gold standard. I mean, serious. Like, John Anik is the fucking goat. That, that dude... As someone who, uh, you know, I do play-by-play for, for, you know, many different places. But, you know, that is someone to aspire to. His his play-by-play is awesome. Brendan Fitzgerald's play-by-play uh, is 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 great. It's great. Uh, I wouldn't say as good as Annex, but I, I enjoy him very much. Um, but you look at, like, other other combat sports. Man, I don't know. You know, I've been getting into boxing a little, a little bit. Uh... I'd say over like the last like year, year and a half, I really like uh, Tessator. I, I don't like Tessator for football. I think Tessator is just average at football, but his his boxing uh, is is really good. I, I love Tessator uh, as a play by play. He I, I love his. Uh, he's got a good voice for it too. I, I like. I'm always impressed by uh, transitions because transitions are always uh, are, are sometimes the, the the hardest things that a play by play will do. You know, intros, outros. Uh, leading into graphics, you know, you you really have to be the the quarterback of the broadcast as a, as a play-by-play, and certainly you're the face of the broadcast uh, as a play-by-play. Even though I'm sure there are dozens of people behind the, at a minimum, dozens of people behind the broadcast. Um, but yeah, one FC, uh, they they got some weird stuff. Mike Goldberg, I, you know, I didn't become an MMA fan until uh, like early 2017 so I, I completely missed the Mike Goldberg era because I think his last show was the uh, Rousey Nunez pay-per-view or whatever the last one in 2016 and uh, I never realized how overrated Mike Goldberg is he's really not that good I mean I, I love him he was there for a lot of the biggest moments and obviously I've gone back and you know I, I've tuned into a 
a lot of you know old pay-per-views and and things like that and you know like uh the on-demand stuff for like the ultimate fighter and and uh you know like main event rewinds and stuff like that but he's just not that good and i saw i saw a critique of him that i thought was really accurate where you know just because you're in a sport for a long time doesn't mean you know anything about the sport and that kind of that kind of struck me with mike goldberg where he's been around the sport for like 20 years something crazy he's been around for a very long time but he still doesn't know like he still doesn't know a lot of basic stuff about mma um which i i I don't know i guess you're the play-by-play so it's not like you're breaking down shit uh to a to a high level like uh like you call a commentator would but yeah goldberg uh not 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 very good i've tuned into some of those bkfc broadcasts yeah not 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 super good either uh actually one of the better play-by-plays that i've i've heard for mma outside of um the the ufc is uh sean o'connell sean o'connell with the the pfl uh i was very impressed and i don't think he has any prior experience uh as a play-by-play before they just gave him the the gig like i don't even i don't even think he did like regional or maybe he did like one or two events i mean i don't know i'm just i I guess i'm just speculating here but i like he wasn't like a long time play-by-play he was just you know, he fought in the UFC. One of the funnier guys in the UFC fought in the UFC. Uh, won uh, as as the the million dollar champion or whatever the first year of the PFL, and then uh, yeah, does the play by play, and he's 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 pretty good. He's he's pretty good. I mean, because I mean, doing play by play is a is a an acquired thing. You can't just take anybody and do play by play. Not to make it seem more important than it is, but there's a lot of there's a lot of nuances and things you pick up on the job that. Uh, you know, you could take a lot of people who know something about basketball, but you, they can't do basketball play by play because it's not just it's not just calling the game. There's a lot of other shit that has to go into it, and you know, and stuff like that. But you know, I've been very impressed with him, and I really like those PFL broadcasts. Not to get off on a tangent, but I, I do think that they have some interesting ideas for their company, and uh, and that they their broadcast they do some interesting things. I like uh, the fight metrics, the the smart cage or whatever they have. You know, I like that, seeing how fast punches go. Um, uh, yeah, who's the other... Uh, so they have Randy Couture as a color sometimes, but then they have... Uh, it's not Dean Thomas, but it's um, another one of those old school... Oh, fuck, he was in so many different organizations. Uh, he fought Jorge Masvidal, but uh, but but point being, I, I, I do like the PFL's broadcasts. Uh, I, I think they're uh, they're pretty good. But, uh, yeah, holy shit, that was a tangent. All right, wrapping up there with the Sage Northcutt thing. Oh, that, that perfectly transitions into our, uh, our uh, PFL talker here uh, because the PFL announced their uh, 2021 season. And uh, they're going to have their first event on April 23rd. And I, I think this will probably be the best season of the, of, uh, the PFL yet. I mean, because they've, they've really signed some, signed some interesting fighters uh, you know, most notably uh, Anthony Pettis, uh, Olivier Alban Mercier, Rory McDonald. I mean, the the quality of, of fighters is, is really improving with the PFL, and I'm still not super convinced that their structure is is good. You know what I mean? The whole like you win the season so you don't have champs you just win the season and you got to get the most amount of points it's kind of gimmicky it's it's kind of trying to make mma into football you know it's kind of like the international fight league or whatever it was the ifl 
back in like 2008, 2009, 2010, where they used to have teams where it would be like, hey, we're Team Chicago and we're gonna we're we're gonna fight Team fucking Kansas City, and it's like, okay, yeah, but that's MMA. Like sometimes fights fall out, and you, you're trying to make MMA into fucking baseball or something. And the problem with the PFL is that, you know, a lot of times, so like to to win the PFL now. If you get a first round finish, you get a lot of points. Like there's, the the, the structure is is uh, is tiered. So like the quicker you get finishes, the the more points you get. You know, so like technically you could make the final tournament if you only fight once. If you got a first round KO, and then you know a lot of other people in your division didn't really do a whole lot. So you get the six points because you get, you get three points for a win and then three points for a first round finish. So technically you could, but the problem is MMA, MMA fighters don't really fight that often, or you know sometimes they can't because uh, you get hurt or there's a botched weight cut. Or I mean, there's a million variables where it's very hard to pin someone to fight on this specific date because what they also do is each event they they have two divisions. So I think. I think April 23rd is going to be featherweight and lightweight. So that's the only two times that featherweight and lightweight people can fight until the next featherweight and lightweight event. But but you see what I mean? So like, say their event in May will be welterweights and middleweights or something, but no featherweights or lightweights. So you'll have to... So there's like two or three events per year for each weight class, but... You know, that's the problem with kind of pinning down specific times. Is it's like, dude, look at Hamzat Chamayev. Look at any of these fights. You know, MMA fans, if you've been following this to, to any degree, you know it's very hard to fight on a specific date because your opponent pulls out or you pull out or, hey, it's got to get pushed back a week. Hey, I got COVID. I can't, I can't fight on April 23rd, but if you just push it back to April 30th, I could fight then. I mean, it's a very, it's a very finicky thing to try to pin down a specific date between two guys. So I'm still not super convinced. The, the reason I like it to some degree uh, is because it's the PFL's thing. You know, because P- the PFL is not the top show in, in the fucking world. Far from it. I mean, Bellator is bigger. UFC is obviously bigger. Ryzen's probably bigger. Uh, 1FC is definitely bigger. I mean, I'm sure M1, I'm sure ACA and, and other, you know, Russian organizations are, are, are bigger. So it's like... That's the PFL's thing. That's their gimmick. So in that sense, I like it. I like it because they can't do the best versus the best because the best do not fight in the PFL. They really, they really don't. And they're they're improving their talent pool and bless them. And you know they've only been been around as the PFL for I think, I think this is their fourth season. Might be their third. So you know they're not. And obviously they're the World Series of Fighting before that. But um, you know, so I, I I like the gimmick. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely uh, sold on it. But, yeah, so they announced uh, the event there on April 23rd. And, uh, yeah, they had some interesting matchups. So, again, it was lightweights and featherweights. We have Anthony Pettis making his debut against Clay Collard. Uh, who's, uh, Clay Collard's a very interesting guy to follow. He, he, just, he just had a very interesting win over uh, a high-level boxing prospect uh, last summer. Uh, obviously, he was in the UFC. He was in UFC 1, the fucking video game, I think. Or UFC 2. He was in one of the UFC fucking video games. And he was in there as a young guy. And his record wasn't that impressive, so I don't know how he got in there. But uh, that's interesting. 
Uh, I would I would have to imagine Anthony Pettis is the fucking very heavy favorite to to win it all. I would I would have to imagine he's the very heavy favorite. I mean, he could do it like less than two years ago he was knocking out Wonder Boy Thompson. I mean, who the fuck does that? Um, Natan Schulte versus Marcin Held. Okay, whatever. Uh, Olivier Aubon Mercier against uh, Jolton Luderbach. I don't know who the fuck that guy is, but I certainly know who uh, OAM is. And you got to figure he's probably the the second favorite to win it all. I mean, talented guy. Just kind of didn't work out in the UFC, um, you know. But but he 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 did have some tough mid level fights in the UFC, and then a couple of other matchups that are irrelevant. Don't know who they are. Scary Russian sounding names. Um, but for the featherweights, we have Lance Palmer, uh, who I think he's won the tournament two out of the three years. He might have got hurt for the one year he didn't win it, or he might have won it every single year. Lance Palmer is one of the best fighters outside of the UFC. Just a very fun guy to watch. Good wrestling base. I think he trains over with uh, the folks at uh, Team Alpha Male, and he's taking on Bubba Jenkins, who he's a collegiate wrestler, and I want to say he was the champ over in Brave, Brave Combat Federation, uh, and then Movlid Kabalov, who was the guy who had the flying uh, knee knockout of. Um, Damon Jackson takes on uh, Jason Suarez. Don't know who that is. Brandon Lochtane was the guy who was pissing blood after his fight <laughs> in, in the Contender Series. I know that about him. And he's taking on Shaman Marais, who sounds familiar. I feel like he was also on, on um, the Contender Series, or at least in the UFC. Tyler Diamond's also scheduled to fight. He was on a season of The Ultimate Fighter. Might have had a fight in the UFC. So, you know, that's interesting. Because another thing too, if you're the PFL, like some some casual, actually probably not casual. Some people, if they follow MMA fairly closely, they probably know the name Movlid Kabalov. They might not know exactly who that is, but you know when you show them the highlight of them knocking out Damon Jackson, they know who he is. You know, if you're the PFL, it's really hard to build homegrown stars. Um, you have to have eyeballs on you to build homegrown stars and that's not a disrespectful thing to say that's just a reality so them signing a a lot of these guys fought in the UFC so them signing guys who have higher profiles you know I really like that I think that is is really how you would build the PFL you bring in people who people would know not exactly not exactly the Bellator strategy of bringing in like Hoist Gracie versus fucking Frank Shamrock as 55 year olds you know Anthony Pettis is still in his prime OAM's in his prime you know, however good that is, obviously you decide, but uh, you know what I mean? So I I think it's a good strategy. You know, like now Bellator, because that's what Bellator did. They brought in um, people from other organizations who had bigger names, maybe guys over the hill, maybe guys who were, um, you know, ejected from the UFC, built up their profile, and now now Bellator can make homegrown stars. Like look at, uh, and again, they're not homegrown stars at, at the same level of, Recognition as the UFC, of course. Don't get me wrong, but you know now. Now look at Patricio Pitbull. Now look at um, Douglas Lima. Look at guys like that. You know, it is possible to build your profile through Bellator. You can be an MMA star in Bellator, <clears throat> and I think I think that's probably the projection for the PFL. You know, it might be a long-term thing. You know, it might be three to five years from now, uh, but you know, I, I think that's. That's the hope in the future for the PFL is that through, you know, 
moves like this at a time right now uh, that, that, you know, they could kind of build themselves up and uh, be, uh, be more recognizable. And, but even something like Bellator, see, if you're not the top, if you're not the top guys out there, even Bellator, because what is it? They moved a lot of their fights to Thursday now. They don't even do Saturday fights. So I think PFL, their claim is Tuesdays. I think they do Tuesdays. And I would imagine that they they actually probably do worse ratings than the Contender Series. Uh, I I would assume more people tune into the Contender Series than uh, PFL. But, you know, hey, everybody's looking for their niche. So, you know, I, I don't hate on the PFL. I, I have been known to watch many PFL events, okay? They're not exactly good events, okay? Because they're not exactly great fighters, okay? You know, watching uh, Emiliano Sordi, uh, you know, fight fucking Vinny Magalhaes or, you know, guys like that. You know, it's not exactly high-level fights, but I have been known to be very bored on Tuesday nights and, uh, you know, have watched me some PFL, so, you know, I don't know, I'm probably pretty high up there in the demographics. Um, let's see here, we got a news bit about, uh, Derek Lewis and Curtis Blades. Uh, apparently, the, uh, Derek Lewis upset of Curtis Blades was the biggest UFC main event in five years, uh... I think the the one before that was Bisbing versus Rockhold, uh, according to ESPN stats and info. Uh, that's crazy. I really don't have a whole lot to say on that. I just kind of wanted to bring that up because I, f- I found that interesting. Uh, because yeah, I mean we like think about how many main events just um, you know fall out where somebody steps in and they weren't a bigger underdog than Derek Lewis against Curtis Blades, even though Derek Lewis was was at that point tied for the most knockouts in UFC history um or no he was he was one short so he tied it with the the one over blades but that's fucking crazy like you know what I mean think about how many guys fall out like like even look at uh upcoming like you're telling me Jeff Neal's not a bigger underdog than uh you know whatever and I I, I mean I guess you have to win to, to have it fucking count but you know what I mean that's uh, that's that's crazy that's an interesting uh, bit of information there uh, very briefly we have uh, Otman Zaitar getting a second chance from Dana White uh, he got uh, famous at UFC 257 for uh, breaking COVID protocol in uh, an area of the world that uh, takes COVID very seriously wouldn't want to break the protocol over there and uh, got released. He got pulled from his fight. Uh, apparently his team or somebody he knew was like climbing in windows and shit or something. Uh, but uh, yeah, he he uh, apparently is getting signed back, which um, is interesting because, the, you know, that was a big talking point about him and why, uh, you know, it was more than just an interesting tidbit that he got released because, you know, he was a very legitimate, still is a very legitimate prospect. I mean, he's 31, he's 13 and 0. Uh, you know, it was coming off of the, the, the quick win over, uh, it was a comma worthy. I mean, very, very legitimate prospect. And uh, apparently they don't, they don't have anybody um, scheduled for him yet, but he is getting signed back and uh, they're trying to find a fight for him. So, Figured I'd uh, figured I'd mention that. Uh, let's see how we're doing for time here. I probably could wrap it up here. I did have something about uh, Chris Finch 
getting signed by the Timberwolves to be their new head coach. But uh, maybe I'll save that for tomorrow. I, I did watch a little bit of the Bucks game uh, against the Wolves. Of course, the Wolves lost again. A lot of people are mad about Chris Finch being the head coach. He is their 10th head coach in 15 years. Uh, you know, I just say it doesn't matter. Who cares? This guy's. Is... I, I, I officially set the over-under as Chris Finch being the head coach for the Timberwolves as 18 months. 18 months. I don't think he's going to last very long because uh, nobody lasts very long. In fact, I don't think Gerson Rosas will last very long. I think uh, if and when... Actually, it seems more like a win, but they've been saying it for a while here. I mean, we've been talking about this for probably, you know, a year. Well, I mean, the the greater discussion has been taking place, you know, for a long time, but about Glenn Taylor, uh, Glenn Taylor selling the team. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. He, he, if he sells the team, I would I, I would have to imagine it would probably be by the start of next year. Uh, by that point, Chris Finch will probably have a record of five and thirty. Uh, Gerson Rosas will have done nothing except, you know, draft people like fucking Jarrett Culver and trade for awful people with bad contracts like uh, D'Angelo Russell. So, yeah, they're prob- they probably would be both gone by uh, the start of next year. So, I mean, I don't know. Hopefully he works. But, yeah, I, I don't really care, nor do I have expectations for the Timberwolves. I'm just, uh, I'm not even really a Timberwolves fan. I mean, I guess they're my team, but I'm just so used to them fucking being terrible that like I just don't I don't really care man it's actually more fun for me when the wolves are terrible because it's just it's kind of fun and interesting to see what new fresh ways the Timberwolves can find to just be a fucking poverty franchise so in that sense it's a little interesting I wouldn't say I root for them to be bad but I certainly don't root for them to be good I'm just you know whatever happens happens with the wolves and um you know it's interesting like you know Carl Anthony Towns probably wants out of town Okay, well, that's interesting. I mean, the, the Wolves waste another, uh, you know, generational franchise player. So, you know, I don't really care. Plus, the NBA is so boring anyway. If you're not a top three market, you're not doing anything. And, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, I mean, whatever. I mean, there's a reason I don't talk a whole lot of NBA on the show, okay? I'm not watching a lot of NBA games and, you know, coming up with hot sports takes and shit like that. So, you know, it's 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 whatever. I mean... It'd be cool if he had success, but I, I, I have below zero expectations for, for Chris Finch. Uh, but yeah, with that, we'll wrap it up here. So again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN, North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Check out our website, NorthStarsports.media. Uh, we'll probably have the preview show for UFC Fight Night, Rosenstrike versus Gone tomorrow. Uh, we're also going to be doing a preview show every single week for the main card showdown, hopefully on Fridays, but I know that people are very, 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 very bad at getting me their picks in, although that doesn't mean I can't talk about the matchups. Uh, hopefully I don't have to do them on Saturday, but, you know, just a quick, probably a quick, like, 10-minute preview show uh, for the main card showdown, just to get some more regular material out there you know, kind of talk about the main card showdown, because obviously we, we we do a lot on social media for it, but we don't exactly talk a lot about it, um, you know, matchups and stakes and, and stuff like that. And it is growing, so, you know, it's only fitting as the uh, as the show and, and game grows that, uh, you know, we dedicate a show uh, specifically to the main card showdown. So, uh, yeah, with that, I'll wrap it up. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody.